As, as we, we kind of started the new year, we, we felt it was appropriate to do stuff relating to vision. And really that, that recognition of the haven by the wider community is, feeds very much into that whole idea of vision and, and kind of what is God calling us to right at this kind of moment and what is the future of SBC and, and when you begin to ask big questions like that you kind of feel like you know I have enough problems sorting out you know what I'm going to have for breakfast in the morning far less thinking about you know where SBC is going to be in five years time or what the, the, these big issues are and uh, but I, I, I still wanted us to grapple a little bit about the nature of vision and, uh, and what it means. And one of the, the things that has consistently come through in terms of vision uh, and sharing vision is, is the location of this church. Way back uh, now almost 30 years, is it, Bill? Uh, more than 30 years. Uh, the, this church used to be where McDonald's was. This church building was where McDonald's was. And, uh, and this building was entirely derelict. And uh, I'd, I'd actually spoken to, to some folks in the Church of Scotland, and they believe that they made a strategic mistake. I think they did as well, and I'll explain in a moment why. And they, they had left this church, and for 20 years it had been derelict, this church building, and for 20 years it had been derelict. And uh, the, the folks who were over in the church across the road had a vision to come and develop this church site. And uh, you can talk to people like Bill up at the back there, and they'll, or Hugh's there, and they'll tell you the story of how that came about and how we, we came across to establish the church in this building. And, and I, I believe that was a really strategic thing, but it was also driven by a conviction that God wants SBC to be situated in the middle of this city. And, 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 uh, and a few years ago now, well, a few years, you know, as you get older, the years seem to go by faster. And uh, I think it's probably 15 years ago. We, we, we kind of reassess that. Should we still be a city center church? Uh, you know, because there are, there are some big challenges in being a city center church. This is a historic building and it, it, it demands a lot in terms of its fabric. We, we sit in the middle of the city, and I'm sure every single one of you find it hard to park this morning. <laughs> you know, oh, we've got to park to go to church and walk through the rain. And I'm, I'm always amazed how many people. And, and, you know, and to heat the building's not that great these days. And, and all of these issues that we face. And yet, 15 years ago, we, we thought, well, should we move out of the center? Should we, you know, move to spring cares and get a warehouse kind of thing in a box? And I, I'm kind of glad we didn't do that because I love the architecture of this building. Uh, uh, but, but, you know, it was a thought. And, you know, you could drive up and you could park. And, and we explored it and we explored the possibility of rainbow slides, uh, which was a swimming pool a few hundred yards from here. And we thought we could bring all our ministries together. But for whatever reasons, those things did not transpire. And we find ourselves as a city center church. And, and, and as we come to reassess vision again, the, the kind of one thing 
I think we're all agreed, and I'm sure there'll be dissenters, as always is. But I think the one thing is that we are a city-based church for the city. God has put us in this place. I, I, you know, this site and this location is amazing because it provides us with visibility. You know, somebody was saying to me this morning, they came out of the, the, the railway station. Now, you can't see the church from the railway station, but you see the life center. And, and immediately you, you are aware, or there is an awareness or potential awareness of a Christian presence. You know, people think that Christianity is dead and buried in Scotland. And you know, we are situated in a city, in a location that makes us visible and accessible. And those are two key words, visible and accessible. And I appreciate we have a lot of challenges in terms of the buildings, but they're visible and accessible. And you know, because we are visible and accessible, I think we have the potential to influence our city in ways that other churches don't. We are not hidden. You know, and, and it's great to see a city church that hasn't been turned into a bingo hall or a pub, but is actually reflective of a living Christian community. And we are that. And, and, and in our vision as a church begins with that. What is God calling us to in terms of where we are? What is God calling us to in terms of being a, a church not only in the city but for the city? What does that mean and what does that look like? You see, every single one of us has a personal witness. And wherever you live and whatever community you're part of, you're called to witness in relation to that and to your family and your friends and things. But we also have a corporate witness, a witness to Jesus Christ and that Jesus is alive. You know, it's brilliant that we have a, an Alpha course. And, and I think it's one of the largest Alpha courses we've run for a while where we get to share about Jesus. You know, I was hearing about a bereavement course that this just started. And again, it, it, it's oversubscribed actually in terms of the bereavement course that we're running. I, I, I walk into our life center and I'm walking up the stairs and I see children coming in, little kids going to play therapy. And I kind of think, here we are in the center of the city, making an influence and a difference in terms of people's lives because we're going to be visible and we're going to be accessible. And, and you know, and there's probably a lot of discussion and a lot of words. Uh, there's quite a few words already been spoken. I'm sure there's lots more. But the undertaking of what God calls us to be as SBC is a visible and accessible church in the heart of the community. And I hope that when we say that, we can get excited about that. Because I believe that Scotland needs visible, accessible churches in the heart of their communities to begin to bring the transforming power of Jesus. We're not hidden away in some industrial estate or, or, or some obscure place. And, and I know at points during the COVID pandemic, it would have been nice to have been a community-based church because city center churches didn't do so great during the pandemic. But actually, this was God's calling to us as a church. And I believe that city center churches that are visible and accessible still have a future 
in the economy of the nation of Scotland, in the Christianity and witness to Christ in our land. How many of you agree? I'm glad there's one or two of us. Good. <laughs> because no matter what we decide we're going to do or not do, if you are part of SBC, that is the journey that you are going to be on with us as a church. Being a city center church that is visible and accessible. I, I was talking with someone and they, they were looking at running an event and uh, this week and I, and I was saying to them, do you know what? Uh, I said, why don't you come to Stirling and do it? And because uh, we're going to run it in some wee obscure community place. Uh, I was like, come to Stirling. <laughs> you know, we, we're right in the heart of things. We're right in the heart of Scotland. We're right in the heart of the city. Come and do it here. And yeah, we'll try and get the heating on. And, um, but, but, you know, the, the, just the thought that actually we are so well located. And, 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 you know, and sometimes I know people, particularly through pandemics, have looked enviously at other churches and things like that. But take it from me. There is no church, I think in central Scotland probably, that is better located in terms of making an impact on its community, in terms of expressing accessible, visible Christianity than SBC. And, and if we open our eyes, we will actually realize that. And yes, it has challenges, historic buildings, parking, all the, all the challenges of these things. But we can be that. And, and, and I hope that we can recapture the heartbeat for that, the excitement for that, the excitement for being that hub, that center which begins to influence things. Because we are called to witness to our God. Anyway, that takes us to the story of, uh, of Elijah. And this is a, a well-known story where Elijah is facing the prophets of Baal. And uh, we, we might feel a little bit about, uh, uh, like Elijah. You know, Elijah was, uh, um, Elijah was facing incredible opposition. You, you'll actually see, um, he, turned to, he turned to the people and he said to them, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, but Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. It's interesting, isn't it? The people said nothing. See, this story is a story of a people who don't want to get committed to anything. They want a wee bit of Yahweh. They want a wee bit of Baal. They, they kind of want middle of the road. And, and they want comfortable and middle of the road. And the thing that God will not allow a church to be, and he will not allow his people to be, is comfortable and middle of the road. God will force choice. Choose. If you're going to be part of my work in this nation, if you're going to be part of my work in Sterling, if you're going to be part of my work to transform the world around us, or if you're going to sit and watch Netflix all day and the latest box series. Choose. And the people had to choose. What were they going to base their lives around and what were they going to build their lives around? And the scene of this was Mount Carmel. If you've ever been to Israel, it's a, it's a brilliant place. You, you can go up and as, as you 
as you stand on Mount Carmel, you understand why they chose it. Because it's highly visible. You see it from everywhere. And it's like right there at the center of the northern part of Israel. And, and you see it. And everybody could see what was going to happen here. The contest between Baal and Yahweh. And yet, Elijah doesn't go into this with great self-confidence we we see as he, he he talks about it but when elijah went before the people and said how long will you waver between two opinions and then it tells us he says i am the only one of the lord's prophets left but baal has 450 prophets okay he elijah's odds are not great and 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 actually not only are elijah's odds not great he's actually got a distorted opinion you'll see as you read on god actually has to tell elijah elijah you're not the only one it's okay i have seven thousand who have not bowed the name to baal he tells him later on because elijah has this perception it is not looking good for us I don't know if you've ever felt yourself living in a time of spiritual confusion and compromise. If you've ever wondered if God is still at work in this world and in your life, have you ever longed for a clear and powerful demonstration of God's presence and power in the midst of our world and society and in our lives? You know, the Church of Scotland has just announced its stats from the, the COVID pandemic. And they make grim reading. Uh, the attendance before the pandemic was 88,000 people on Sunday. That is now reduced to 60,000 people. That's almost a third of reduction in the Church of Scotland. The Church of Scotland is our national church and it provides a Christian presence, or it did provide a Christian presence to every community within Scotland. We're now looking at that not being the case. I have talked now, and again, I was talking with ministers this week. The, the number of ministers that are burning out and stepping back from the ministry at this present time is unprecedented. The toll that has been taken in terms of ministry over the last few years. I, I've spent some time with a Church of Scotland minister, and uh, I, I was trying to persuade her actually to stay in ministry, but I wasn't sure if I was doing the right thing or not. As, as she was at a conference and saying, that's it. I'm leaving. I've had enough. You know, and you kind of look at it and you think, you know, is this a time of spiritual confusion and compromise? You know, you then see a government, and I know there's a by-election at Dunblane, and forgive me for being political for a moment, but we see a government imposing laws which are intervening directly in family, which will be contributing to the damaging of family. And, 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 you know, and Scotland is pursuing these laws in a way that strikes, I think, the majority of our population as kind of, why are they doing that? You know, it, it talks about this contest as reasonable or just, and neither have the laws seen reasonable nor just that are being passed in our nation. And you think, what's happened? What's happened to a country that used to send out missionaries to every part of the world? What happened to the heart of our government? I uh, uh, better not go there, right? <laughs> and, uh, but you know, there is a need for a move of God. There is a need for God to do something. 
There is a need for a people to rise up and say we will be part of that. And there is a need for this church to be visible and accessible as the heart of our community, bringing a transforming power of Christ to the lives of those around us and to make a difference. We need to make a difference in terms of family. You know, again, this is something that's been part of our portfolio for, for many years now. But family has been decimated in our nation. Again, I was having another conversation this week, and I was told that almost 500,000 children, um, which seems remarkable, are actually designated as cause for concern in terms of our nation. Just think about that for a moment. You know, think of the young lives grown up. Think of the heritage. Think of the future. Because what we do today is going to determine how Christianity will influence the future of our nation, of young people, how it will shape the lives of those who are to come, how it will impact. And our nation desperately needs to know the work of God. And it begins with a choice for his people. Who are we going to serve? Are we going to commit ourselves to God and his work, or are we going to serve Baal? The, the word Baal in the, the Old Testament is just a general, generic word. It sort of means Lord or God. And uh, it, it, was, it was actually a fertility god. And, and uh, it, was, it was kind of, they were wanting to have this fertility religion alongside the religion of Yahweh. And Elijah says, today we have to choose. And we see two very distinctive religious visions being presented. The first vision is, is ultimately a failed vision. And it's based on a series of wrong presupposition. Do you know, sometimes we assume wrong things in terms of the basis of our vision. You know, what are the presuppositions that we believe our future is based on? It's an interesting question to ask yourself. You know, I, um, some of you will know, but I had a big birthday last week, and uh, it was a bit shocking, but it's okay. And, uh, and, 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 you know, you start to think about the future, and, and you start to make all your presuppositions about the future. And you hope you get the right presuppositions about the future. And, and, and you kind of reflect on that future. You know, it's the same with the vision of a church. We build in a series of presuppositions. I believe one of the problems that the church in Scotland has had is it's had wrong presuppositions in the way it's approached its future. You know, we believe, begin to believe that, you know, if we make more noise and more effort... We will get what we need. And that somehow we can turn it around if we just do the right things. We get the right structure, we get the right staff, or we get the right buildings. And, and we kind of assume that. And, and don't get me wrong, buildings are important, staff are important, and, and these things are important. But you know, more noise and more effort is not actually how the kingdom of God works. Paul explains it in Romans 11 where we read, it's not works, it's grace. It's God's work through us. It's God's work taking broken stuff and working through it. God's work taking broken people like you and me and working through us 
to bring transformation. Not, not brilliant people, not amazing people, not dynamic people, not necessarily even exceptionally gifted people, but people full of the grace of God ministering in their communities, sold out to God. You know, they thought if we make enough noise, we scream enough, we shout enough, we do enough activity, Baal will respond. The Lord will come through, they thought. Elijah at midday begins to mock them. He, he actually says, uh, you know, is, is, is Baal asleep? He says, or maybe he's at the toilet. That's not why he's hearing you. Or, or is he going on holiday for a couple of weeks? <laughs> because actually, despite all your effort, despite all your noise, nothing is happening. You know, sometimes when nothing is happening, it's maybe because we've got the wrong presuppositions about how God is going to work through us. You know, the end of it was wasted time, wasted energy, and they had nothing to show for it. You know, they had set it up for Baal to act, everything was good, and yet they were praying to a false god. They were basing their work and their cries on false premises. Elijah turns around and he says, no, that's not the way you do it. And in verse 30 through 40, we see how Elijah goes about seeing God's transforming power. And it tells us in verse 30, he begins by repairing the altar of the Lord. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't even start with prayer. He begins by repairing the altar of the Lord. He starts with an act of restoration. He takes 12 stones, which represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And he uses these as the foundation for what is about to happen. See, one of the false premises that we have is that we think it's about what we do and it's about our work. But actually, it's not ultimately about that. It's about the people's covenant with their God. And it begins with our covenant with our God. E.M. Bounds once said, People are God's method. The church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better people. You see, we think that God is only interested in what he can do through us. And you know what? God is much more interested in what he can do in us. And, and, and until we understand that, until we understand that it begins with our covenant, our God, and what God does in us, we actually can't bring transformation. And so there has to be a restoration. The church's vision is meaningless and the church's accomplishments are meaningless unless we are full of the Spirit of God and in love with our God and we maintain right relationships amongst ourselves. If that is not the foundation for the work of God, then you will have a lot of energy and a lot of noise, but you will not actually have God work because that is how God works. He requires an altar that is restored. The foundation for God's work. And it has to be the foundation for our vision. You know, there's no point making great plans 
if our hearts are far away from our God, if we are living in compromise, and if our relationships are broken. Get your priorities right. Put that stuff right, and then you deal with what we are called to do. Second thing is, he did it for God. It says he set up this altar for the Lord, <laughs> and, and it was for God. Again, it wasn't for his own success. It wasn't for fame. It wasn't to be a model that other people would come and visit him. It was because he wanted God's glory. He wanted to witness to God, and he wanted people to see that witness. You know, the vision of SBC has to be driven by a desire that people see God working in our community. It has to be about showing people God, not creating a really successful church. And, and I have to be honest, and, um, you know, through, through the years, sometimes, you know, it's been like, well, let's be a successful church more than let's show people the glory of our God. And what it means. And it's something that we constantly have to come back to. And the final thing is, he takes all this water, and you'll know the children's story from Sunday school maybe, and he pours it everywhere. And you go, Elijah, what are you doing? I think it ends up being 12 jars of water. And you say, what's he doing? And he says, I'm making it impossible for you to do it by yourself. You know, I, I hate God when he does that, don't you? I'm going to make it as difficult as possible for you. <laughs> I'm going to make it so difficult that you cannot possibly do this in your own strength or with your own resources. It will require a supernatural act of God to come through for this to happen. Do you know if our vision is anything less than something that requires a supernatural act of God that we can do comfortably within our own resources, I don't believe we have the vision that God has for us. Because I believe God's vision is always, always to take us beyond the resources that we have. To call us to a place where we see God act and not us act. Because when God acts, he gets the glory. And we know that it wasn't us. We know that it required God supernaturally to act. As we start into 2024... The world is not looking good. You know, I could, I'm, I'm a grumpy old man now. And um, I, I hired a car last weekend. And, you know, not only did it have assisted lane things that was directing me, it had assisted braking, so it randomly throw on the brakes every so often when it deemed I was traveling too fast. It's like, what? And, uh, you know, and, and, and you just think, what is the world coming to? You can't even drive a car anymore by yourself. And, and, and you begin to look at all the other things. I, I mean, one of the house groups has wanted me to go and talk about, you know, the end times. And, and you could certainly see why we, we need to be thinking apocalyptic in terms of all that is going on. But the world needs Jesus. Sterling needs Jesus. Sterling needs a dynamic, accessible, visible Christian presence where we're living out what Christ calls us to live out in this place, demonstrating into our wider community. Sterling needs that. But we cannot do it ourselves. 
We need to be a people who cry out to God. And I love this prayer. And let's finish with this. Can we put it up? Elijah prays and he says, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel. As we go into 2024, let it be known today in Sterling that you are our God, that you are the living God, that you're not some dead God, but you are God of transformation and power. And let them know that we are your servants and that all the things are done because you are working. Answer me, Lord. Answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Crying out to God, God, let us know that you are the God who is alive and working and alive. And let us demonstrate that. And Lord, let us see people's hearts being turned. Do you know the vision? of SBC as we go into 24 and you know we we're kind of debating what we do with buildings or various other things but you know that's way too small our vision should be that you know maybe maybe God might deem to use this church if we become a people who pray this prayer and mean it and live it that God might use this as a starting place as has happened historically to see our nation's hearts Turn back to God. A restoration of our Scottish heritage. A restoration of people's relationship with God. A restoration of family. A restoration of individuals. Can we have that vision? Because God sent the fire. And maybe again he can send the fire. We'll never do it. But God can. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for Elijah and the challenge that the story brings to each one of us. Lord, we pray for a supernatural event. We recognize that just like the nation of Israel, our nation is at a critical point. We recognize that our communities are at critical points. Lord, we recognize that we have turned from you. Our hearts are cold towards you. And Lord, we pray for that fire from heaven. Lord, that fire from heaven that demonstrates that you are the living God that turns our hearts again towards you. Lord, we pray that you would drive us with that vision to be that place, to be that altar where your fire descends and that people are brought to knowledge of the living God. We ask this in your name. Amen.